This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you, coming to you just a day behind schedule, recording on a Wednesday morning. Uh, I was away for Labor Day weekend with the wife. Uh, Sean is going through back to school slash back to the house for the kids, so some stuff to handle on his end, but we're well situated. We have plenty to talk about. Steve Wiltfong, National Recruiting Director for 24-7 Sports, is going to join the show a little bit later to break down the latest in Penn State football recruiting, and it's been highs and lows depending on which cycle you're looking at. Sean, you titled our last episode from last Friday, Hot in 22 not in 21. Might as well feel free to clone that one for this one. Perfect. Uh, just save us save us all some time. Uh, it's uh, not not a big surprise uh, if you followed over the last week or so, but Nolan Rucci, big-time target for Penn State, is now a big miss for Penn State, committed to Wisconsin uh, yesterday, and that's, uh, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a bad loss. Uh, this is a guy that they've targeted for, for a long, long time. Um, seemed like they were in, uh, you know, seemed like they were on the come up for him a little bit. He was, uh, back on campus a few weeks ago, of course, put the picture up at the Lion Shrine, et cetera. Um, but, uh, they thought they had made some headway. Of course, he's, he's yet to, uh, really interact on campus with Phil Troutwine and Kirk Shirak and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk to actually Steve Wilfong, 24 seven sports director of recruiting, uh, about his recruitment a little bit later in the show. But, uh, again, that's, uh, it's not a good loss. This is, uh, this is one you're losing him to a big 10. Ten rival, even though it's Big Ten West, uh, but still uh, a legacy five star in your backyard. That's uh, that's tough. That's tough. And you know, I I don't know where this one turned. Uh, obviously, Penn State looked good early. If you follow the crystal balls, uh, Clemson seemed to emerge. Wisconsin over that quarantine when he had his brother, uh, who was a tight end for the Badgers, uh, when he had his brother home with him for months. That's when it seemed to really swing in their favor. This is one where you, if you talk to people around the recruitment, if you talk to people around the area, that. Uh, Penn State did not offer Hayden Rucci, and that seemed to be a big sticking point. So you're spending three months with uh, with your brother that has a reason to uh, to to hold a grudge. I think that's uh, that's really where it swung this one. So, but Nolan made his commitment uh, this week. By the way, great kid, great family. I uh, handled everything uh, about as well as you could, but uh, the results were not there for Penn State. That's uh, another bad loss in the 2021 class, and. I mean, I just uh, I'll talk to Steve about it later, but you just don't know. I mean, there's there's still targets out there, um, but Rucci was a big fish, uh, and that's a big uh, big getaway for them. Uh, there is some good news to get to here on the show as well. Two hours before Nolan Rucci confirmed his commitment to Wisconsin during a, a ceremony 
Uh, he also, uh, we also learned that Ken Talley is coming to Penn State eventually as a member of the 2022 recruiting class, a four-star hybrid edge rusher slash linebacker at a Northeast high school in Philadelphia, a connection to the staff. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but, but let's, let's just handle the bad news first because you, you, you prefaced it with everything you just said, Sean. Uh, Nolan Rucci, uh, you know, I heard Barton Simmons weigh in on this commitment yesterday and, you know, he says all signs point to this kid being high on an NFL draft board someday, the kind of prototypical anchor of your offensive line, um, and a guy that, you know, quite frankly, just seems like uh, he's, he's a good influence in your locker room. A lot of reasons to like adding Nolan Rucci to your roster. That's happening elsewhere in the Big Ten, and I think part of the sting here, of course, is is the fact that he has parents who were Penn State athletes. He This is uh, one of those where you can't throw in, oh, well, no visits during a pandemic. He's got plenty of experience in Happy Valley. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we saw him posing next to the Lion Shrine. Um, there should be really no secrets about what life would be like um, if he went to Penn State. Instead, going off to Madison, Wisconsin, and in the second consecutive year, Sean, not only do you lose out on the top in-state talent, but you lose out on the top in-state talent to a program that could ultimately impede your progress and your path, not just to a Big Ten championship, but to maybe a college football playoff spot uh, as Ohio State and Wisconsin end up with those players on their respective cycles. Yeah, it's not ideal. Penn State's current top commitment from Pennsylvania is Lonnie White, number 11 in the composite and 24-7 sports rankings. And there's been quite a few misses in those in that top 10. And it just, uh, I mean, they've got to be better. And I know they've, they've made the effort. We've talked about it a, a few times about them trying to reestablish themselves in Pennsylvania and Philly in that area. But they, they've got to be better. They've got to make this turnaround. And, you know, you're going to look back at this 2021 cycle. And, and I do disagree with you in that, um, you know, not him not getting on campus uh, after the quarantine and the dead period and all that kind of stuff didn't have an effect uh, as much as effect. He is familiar with Penn State, but he didn't get a chance to, you know, seek see Kirk Sharaka, see Phil Troutwine in action, uh, get get a feeling of what's going on in that locker room, what those guys are saying. There's only so much you can take away from Zoom. And even though Penn State did have, I think, the advantage or the, the, the head start going into it, I mean, that's, uh, that's still a, a hurdle to overcome. But it's a hurdle that, you know, if you want to be in the college football playoff and, you know, he's a five-star prospect, he's still a, a bit of a project on the offensive line for the college level. But that that's a battle that you've got to win. you got to figure out how to get that done. And James Franklin's got to figure out how to get that done. I know Phil Troutwine's new, but – and, you know, so far, very positive results for, for him, especially in those next couple of classes. But, I mean, you still you still got to find a way to get it done and, and be the program that you, you know, if you want to be the playoff program, if you want to be, uh, you know, a big dog in this conference and, and nationally, I mean, those are ones uh, with, with Rucci, with, with Julian Fleming last year. Those are ones that you got to push, push across the finish line. And so far, the closing metrics have not been great for Penn State over the last uh, couple of seasons. Your point is very valid and well taken on this end of the conversation. The fact that he didn't get to, to go and, you know, sit in the office with Kirk Scirocco or, or Phil Troutwine and, you know, kind of have that intimate uh, setting where you can, you know, whether you're watching film or just getting to know each other better in, in a room, those are the conversations. Those are the moments that can really maybe tip the scales in one direction or the other. By the way, Penn State's next scheduled game, I hope they schedule another one before this, Sean. I really do. But currently it's September 4th at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin, opening up the 2021 season at Wisconsin. Uh, 
again, really hope that's not the next scheduled game, but for now it is. Um, Sean, when we look at the 2021 recruiting class right now, we've talked a long time how it wasn't going to be a big class. They got the 13 commitments with uh, with Jamari Budden coming on board in July. Uh, it's held firm there for a while. Uh, limited options, but for the longest time we've said, hey, look, this may not be the, the top-ranked class that everyone look, is, is hoping for, but check out the big fish that are still out there in the pond. The John Warren, Nolan Rucci, Derek Davis Jr. Well, Warren's off to Georgia. Rucci's off to Wisconsin. Derek Davis had been a tough one to read all the way through, at least from my perspective. Uh, as those names begin to dwindle, I think there's a, a reality setting upon us that there either needs to be some new names popping up, um, some visits need to be taken, and right now they can't be. Um, or, you know, I mean, I'm kind of at a, at a loss. You know, people are saying, okay, what's the list look like for, for targets that Penn State's going to bring on and finish this class? How are they going to salvage this thing? That is getting progressively more difficult to answer uh, with authority, I think. Yeah, and you've lost out on a number of positions. I mean, Dante Thornton was committed for a while. Caden Prather seemed like a lock for a while. You're losing guys out of, you know, receivers out of the uh, out of the region like Jaleel Farouk's probably going to end up at Oklahoma. You know, these top guys on the board, just you look at every position. And I mean, w- when we talk about what, last December, we're talking Landon Tangwall, Nolan Rucci, Wyatt Millam, Tristan Lee, just, and you're thinking, okay, you, you'll get two of them. That's seemingly reasonable. And then all of a sudden you, you've got one of those guys and Tangwall, by the way, I mean, he's, he's the guy that's most ready to go right now, but still you've got high level kids. I mean, these kids, top 25, top 30 players in the country. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one to swallow. Defensive line, you know, it's kind of been similar. We saw uh, Kelvin Gilliam last month, but he's far from the first guy that uh, that went elsewhere. Dejon Warren, as you mentioned, Tony Grimes, D- D- Damian Robinson. I mean, just sort of like carve the knife a little bit deeper every, every uh, word that you or every name that you say, because it's been one where you just kind of look up and throw your hands up in the air and somebody else goes elsewhere and, and, and you really don't have an answer for it. And, you know, I talked to Steve earlier and, and we both don't have an answer for it, especially when you consider what they've done in the 2022 class as of late where they're, you know, they, they can't, you know, <laughs> they're turning people down. And it's, it's, a, it's a situation where you can't really it doesn't add up. None of this really makes any sense. And, you know, sort of falls in line with the 2021 cycle where not a lot of it makes sense. Not a lot of logic is, uh, is carrying over, but, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy time to follow because I'm I'm not sure that I've seen, uh, a class be so low and, and I don't want to, you know, uh, crap on the guys that are in the class. I think there's some really good players in the class and guys that will see their rankings, uh, rise as we get closer to signing day, but just, no momentum in 2021, all the momentum in 2022. It's just been fascinating to, to see come together. Robert Louis Stevenson wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's what this feels like, Sean. Depending on which recruiting show you're looking at, you're either in, in a state of frustration as a Nittany Lions fan or you're jubilant about a tremendous start for what's going on with the 2022 class. You look at what they've got so far with Landon Tengwall leading the way. Landon is the only top 250 prospect in composite rankings right now in that 2021 class. 
They've got five top 250 prospects in the 2022 class through six commitments. And of course, these are at very different stages of the cycle. There hasn't been as many opportunities for the 2022 recruits to be exposed, whether for better or for worse in the rankings process. Many of them will not even have a chance to play their junior season. So we'll see how that whole um, you know, review of their talents and skill sets translates this time next year. But look, five out of your six in that class are in top 250 for composite. One out of your 13 are in the top 250 for 2021. I've never seen anything like this. It's the same coaching staff recruiting these guys in both cycles. It's the same campus that they would all be coming to. And yet we have such extremes um, on one end of the spectrum or the other. And I know it's frustrating folks to not have their finger on the pulse of this. We have our finger on the pulse of this, Sean, and we still can't come up with a straight answer for folks. I I mean, I I would you know, kind of argue that it's not the same staff. You know, you look back to where this cycle was a year ago and, you know, you've got some more guys that you got four different guys in there. Let's be honest with you. You've got a promise of an offense versus what you had last year. Um, so there are things to be um, optimistic about. And I think that's carried over in the 2022 class. But uh, I guess you'd be ra- rather be trending up than trending down. And that seems to be where they're going. But still, you, you can't overlook the losses. Um, this is something, and I don't know that there's any one reason. I mean, we've tried to break down the reasons. We've tried to break down uh, sort of the rationale for, for a lot of these decisions. And it's just and sometimes you chalk some of these things up to bad luck. Now, you know, the, the bad luck, if it, if it adds up, you can see what kind of, uh, uh, what kind of trends it may present to itself. But I mean, it's just kind of, uh, man, what the hell is going on with this cycle? <laughs> that's, that's basically <laughs> what you the just come down the to show. at the end. There we yeah, go. So, yeah. yeah. So, and Sean, I don't have I, an answer. And then Steve, yeah. I want to spoil, spoil the interview I did with Steve, but Steve really doesn't have much of an answer either. Um, it's just, it, it's crazy to think about. It's unfortunate if you're a Penn State fan following this stuff. It's really unfortunate if you're a Penn State coach. You're just kind of like, what, what do I got to do here, man? And it's just, uh, it's not happening. And meanwhile, Brian Doan was on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast this week, and and he pointed to Penn State as the program most impacted by pandemic-era recruiting realities, and and yet we see what's happening in 2022. They're on a roll, and whether you're a 2022 recruiter or a 2021 recruit, you haven't sat in a room with a Penn State coach in real life, not virtually, in six-plus months. Uh, So, yeah, We'll let Steve try to carry the load of this conversation a little bit later. Let's turn our attention to some positives. Uh, because I tried, I tried, by the way, I, spoiler, <laughs> I tried to throw Steve under the bus and try to get him to answer that question for us. And he's just, <laughs> yeah, he's the same spot we are. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we've got what, three months and change, three months and a couple weeks now till the early signing period. Maybe we'll get some answers in this regard. Uh, maybe things will trend upward. Maybe things will crash and burn further. But we got to get to December before we f- have a full picture of what this is going to look like and then beyond with the February signing period, which should loom more large than it has in the last few cycles. But, Sean, focusing back to the positive mo- news that surfaced around 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, Ken Talley, um, he certainly served up some intrigue over the last couple of weeks after setting his commitment date. Didn't make it clear, although the crystal ball was unanimously pointing to Penn State, didn't make it clear by any means that the Nittany Lions were his choice. He had Arizona State and Tennessee uh, as his fellow finalists, but it is Penn State at the end of the day. I really appreciated his uh, commitment video uh, pointing to his upbringing uh, and, and the rough circumstances he encountered uh, growing up in North Philadelphia on 26th Street. 
Um, and he ends up with the Penn State class. This is a big win for Penn State. It's a big step for Dion Barnes as a first-year member of the staff as a grad assistant and former Northeast uh, High School defensive coordinator and a former Northeast standout. These are the kind of kids that in Philadelphia, uh, there's there's going to be a lot of attention on them from all different Power 5 conferences. Penn State hasn't really uh, been able to, to bring a lot of these top talents from Philly to campus in, in recent cycles. This is one that's important for them. And, and, and if you're Penn State, you hope this is a domino effect where you can keep it going in Philadelphia because there's a lot to take out of that class in 2022. Well, first off, the lull um, in prospects from Pennsylvania. They, Penn State hasn't exactly offered a ton of guys in Philadelphia and and Eastern Pennsylvania, for that matter. Uh, they they offered, I believe it was over the nineteen and twenty cycles, offered twelve, got seven. So you know, percentage wise, that's a pretty good hit rate. Um, but when you take into account the fact that you know you want to build your base starting from Pennsylvania out, that's that's a tough one to to, to deal with. So there's there really weren't a ton of guys that you could have gone. The Shaka Tony was the last guy that you brought in from actually Philadelphia. And, you know, that's, that's something that you can show Philly prospects and, and 2021 is very good. 2022 is great in that area. 2023 should be very good as well. Um, it, it's really something that you can show that you can go from inner city Philly, go out to the middle of nowhere in State College, Pennsylvania, and still have a lot of success. And I know a lot of those Philly kids have stars in their eyes, see a lot of the SEC stuff, but you need to reestablish yourself. They've done work to try and reestablish themselves, put Terry Smith in there, brought in Dion Barnes, trying to get Taylor Stubblefield in the, in the burbs and sort of have, have made their way back to that. Tally's the third player in the 2022 class from Pennsylvania to commit, which matches 2021, which, and I know that they've missed, you know, Rucci's uh, off the board. Derek Davis is a guy that's still on there, but still, Three players, when you've offered, I think, 15 or 16 guys in Pennsylvania in one class, getting three of them is not good. So you, you've offered 13 in the 2022 class. Three of them have committed uh, anywhere, and all three have committed to Penn State. That's a good start. That's a good rebound. And I think they're starting to get a little bit more buzz, and they certainly need that. Now, shifting gears, Ken Talley is a guy that can give you some of that buzz. A uh, very vocal guy, a guy that uh, you know is, is is very visible out there for other prospects. I think he's going to be another guy like a Jerry Cross. It's going to get out there. It's going to be active on social media. It's going to help you recruit, and you know you can show that you can bring in these guys from all walks of life. Because I mean, like it or not, I mean Central Pennsylvania State College has the perception it has for a reason. It is in the middle of nowhere. It is very a rural area. It is um, an area that is is not very much not like Central or North Philly where Ken Talley is from. So uh, that's something you have to overcome. You've got to prove that you can you can bring those players in and not only bring those players in, but have them have some success. And I think that the, you know what they've been able to do with Shaka Tony the last couple of years has sort of helped that and then you bring back Dion Barnes, another guy from those uh, from that area that has had success, that has you know has gone from where he went to the NFL for a cup of coffee, and then has come back around and returned to Philly, came back, uh, or excuse me, was able to give back, do some coaching there, and, and parlay that into a, a college coaching job. I think that that's something that's going to help that momentum continue. Uh, don't know that it's going to be enough to get a guy like Anaya White, the five star. It's going to have offers and opportunities from everywhere, but it's going to get you in the mix for that guy, and it's going to get you guys like Ken Talley, other guys in Philadelphia who seem to be maybe not on the verge of committing to Penn State or announcing to Penn State, but have uh, Penn State probably holding Penn State in higher regards than some of its some of their predecessors in previous classes. Deion Barnes kind of filling that mentor role, and I think he's the perfect guy to do it because he doesn't have the 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 lengthy NFL success story that 
every one of these kids envisions themselves having to to playing until they're in their late 30s and they have to they're forced to hang up the cleats because they just can't keep up with the young guys anymore it doesn't work that way most most of these NFL players are are out by their mid 20s Deion Barnes has lived that and look what he's doing now in his in his post playing career uh, you know this is a big step for him going off to, to Penn State graduate assistant um, you know, I think I think he's a, he's a great guy to, to have talking to these kids uh, for the kids' sake and for Penn State's sake. And I'm really curious to see how Penn State will reap the benefits long term from from Dion Barnes' presence. And he's kind of the blueprint in terms of what they're looking for, and you know, just kind of. Some of these guys, like like Ken Talley, I'm not sure where he falls between his listed six three two thirty and you know where he's been at six one two ten or whatever. Uh, but that's kind of regardless, uh, you know, not regardless. That's kind of irrelevant, irrelevant. at this point. Yeah, um, and and it's it's more about some of these guys, better or worse, from Philly. They're going to have to build themselves up. They're going to have to take some time. Dion was that kid uh, out of Northeast, of course, uh, highly regarded kid, but still a lot of potential more so than than uh, proven production in organized uh you know games and things like that. He was a very good high school player, but that's beside the point. He had to build up. He had to redshirt and then he busted onto the scene as a redshirt freshman. I think that's really going to help some of these guys to say, "Hey, this is the the blueprint for what we want you to do. We want to bring you in. We got to develop you. Obviously, you're not ready to see the field, but look at what Dion was able to do. I think he was Big 10 freshman of the year as a redshirt freshman. So, you can contribute early even if you're not a guy that's, you know, carbon copy ready to or ready to go, um, you know, just like a, a guy that can step in right away and play. So I think that's the blueprint that you got to send some of these guys, some of these city guys as they develop. And, you know, you can still play early, even if you're not ready to do that. Penn State now carries two top 10 tight end, tight end prospects, one from Wisconsin, one from Georgia, a four-star wide receiver from Ohio and Caden Saunders, uh, Ken Talley, we just said four-star edge rusher from Philly, and then the state's top-ranked quarterback in Bo Perbula and the state's top-ranked offensive lineman in Drew Shelton. Only reigning national champion LSU carries more commitments in the 2022 cycle than Penn State currently does. Uh, we saw Jerry Cross and Holden Stays, those two tight ends from well outside the region. Uh, both of them I saw uh, posting yesterday that they were gunning for the number one spot. Uh, we appreciate them sharing screenshots of the 24-7 sports rankings as well, where Penn State is third right now in the cumulative score behind Ohio State, who's also at six commitments. And of course, LSU is at number one. Sean, we're just getting underway with the second week of September. This kind of foundation for a recruiting class, uh, still, what, 15 months away from the early signing period. I may be wrong here, but at least as long as I've been covering Penn State, which goes back to, to the early foundation of the 2018 recruiting class, I don't recall a start that 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 went this quickly with this kind of talent um, I think the 2018 really hit its stride when those high school juniors were, were into January and February. That's when they got a lot of the, the bigger names on board there. To do it right now, under this current setting, without football being played in Happy Valley, without visits being able to uh, to be able to be taken by any of the, these players, I mean, as as rough as things are going right now in 2021, this is just like a dream scenario for the start of a 2022 cycle. That's legwork right there. I mean, that's that's really what the staff has sort of pivoted and, and gone back after these guys hard. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that they, they can't visit anywhere else. They can't, uh, you know, have – I mean, you're, you, you, to outwork someone right now is to Zoom them more, to send them more stuff, to get them the edits and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of different than, than what you would have available if you were able to visit these schools. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, they'll continue to, to – to 
to keep pushing. And I think they're doing a really good job of it right now. And the results speak for themselves. So, um, you know, you've got no football. You've got for some of these these high school kids, you've got no uh, junior season. So, you know, you give yourself some time to, to talk to these coaches to build a relationship and building a relationship on Zoom is different, but you're getting the amount of information you think you need to make a decision. Um, and, and to be honest with you, it might be less cloudy than if you were to make a decision by visiting all these different schools. I mean, sometimes too much information is is a bad thing when you're making these decisions. And that's something, honestly, that's something we've seen in the 2021 class with guys that have been regular visitors to Penn State and not even in 2021, but in the last couple of cycles, guys that have been to Penn State a bunch early in the process sort of fizzled out. So uh, maybe this is something that uh, they've, they've stumbled into. Maybe this is something they've tried to do. I don't know. But the results are there. And they and I think they've put a lot of work into to getting where they're at now with the 2022 class. You've heard from Sean and I on the mysterious case of 2021 and the 2022 recruiting cycles for Penn State. Now let's bring in Steve Wiltfong, who covers recruiting unlike anybody else in the industry. Uh, he had he sat down with a long conversation with Sean uh, just before we started recording. So here is that conversation. We'll be back to you afterward uh, with our five-star mailbag and an update on the Penn State roster, which is now down a freshman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the lions 24 7 podcast we now bring in 24 7 sports director of recruiting steve wiltfong steve always a presence on the site at lions 24 7 good or bad um he, he's been around uh for I guess the entire time that we've been here, all 10 years. So Steve, it's great to have you back on the, uh, on the podcast. Good morning, Fitzy. Yes, sir, man. We are in decade number two at 24 seven sports. Now 
off and running, kind of like the Nittany Lions are with this 2022 recruiting class that ranks number three nationally. Before we get to the 2022 recruiting class, we've got a couple 2021 notes. In fact, you've seen Penn State commits play the last couple of weekends. Liam Clifford was up first. Rodney McGraw was up second. Both of them really caught your eye, apparently. Yeah, I've been a little bit on the Penn State recruiting beat uh, with where I live and and uh, seeing some of these teams uh, that have come into the Indianapolis area, try and see them play. And obviously Cincinnati St. Xavier opened their season against Brownsburg here in Indianapolis. So it was a no-brainer to go see Liam Clifford live. And, and Brownsburg's got several Division One guys as well. And then uh, uh, saw Rodney McGraw uh, in Elkhart, Elkhart High. Uh, come down to uh, an hour south of Indianapolis and, and play their week. It was their week two game because they did not play in week one. Um, but uh, I thought both uh, performed really well. Uh, and Liam Clifford definitely put himself in the four-star discussion uh, as we update our rankings here in September, which will come out on September 16th. Uh, Liam Clifford's a stock-up guy. Uh, I'd seen him in a camp a couple years ago. And, and he was certainly athletic there, had, had some big testing numbers on, on handheld uh, uh, watches. Um, um, and, and he's still athletic, but he's very much is physically ready to play at Penn State right now, 6'1", 6'2", uh, around 200 pounds. Um, it's a very smooth route runner, easily creates separation, uh, has big playability uh, when the ball is in his hands. Got behind the defense a couple times, but his quarterback didn't see him. He could have had an even uh, bigger game, uh, uh, but I think uh, he's a guy that will instantly push Penn State's receiver room at the very least. And then Rodney McGraw, he's put on 25, 30 pounds in, in the last year, so he's 6'5", 255 pounds now. Uh, had 17 tackles at the game I was at, uh, played with the motor, had a headache in the first half. I don't know if he took some ibuprofen or, or Advil at halftime, uh, but still played well in the first half and had, was in on like three sacks, a bunch of tackles for loss, has a big frame. Uh, he's excited to be part of this Penn State class that he's trying to enroll early um, and uh, get get to Happy Valley. And he's got a lot of traits for, for the Penn State staff to develop couple of interesting storylines there in terms of their recruitment. I think everybody expected Liam Clifford to go to Penn State because of Sean and then McGraw's flip. I don't know if it was overlooked or, or whatever, but there wasn't a ton of fanfare. Maybe it's because he flipped from Indiana and that's a, you know, a, a status thing. But a couple of guys that maybe were overlooked during the process, and now we're seeing them, we're, now we're getting out there. I mean, what do you think in terms of, uh, of impact that these guys can have? Clifford seems to me like uh, maybe we, we overlooked him because of his brother, because, you know, when we first saw him, he's a goofy looking kid. Um, now all of a sudden he's filled out, he's smooth. And he's a guy that looks like he can play inside or outside for, for a team like Penn state. Well, maybe he's goofy looking with the, maybe the curly hair when you're young is not a, is not complimentary, uh, but he's always been athletic. Um, and, uh, I mean, you look at Penn state's receiver room and, and, and there's not a lot of guys that, that blow you away in there right now. Hopefully some of these guys, they recruited like Keandre, Keandre Lambert, and uh, um, it was a very important receiver class last year. Um, when, when you when you look at Parker Washington, who I love, um, and, and then you you know you're bringing in um, uh, the JUCO kid uh, Norval Black. Malik Mega's got a lot of talent. Um, uh, I, I think Liam Clifford is in line with those guys and, and can compete with those guys. Uh, and, and so can really turn around the fortunes of a Penn State receiver room right now where there's just when, when you stack it up with some of the other 
rooms in the Big Ten. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not as proven. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Um, um, when you're you kind of you're, you're relying on Jahan Dotson and, and Daniel Jordan, Cam Sullivan Brown, uh, a lot of those guys haven't had breakout campaigns yet, and, and so you know I, I know Jahan Dotson splashed. Um, uh, so he he's coming in at, at what is still, in my opinion, viewed as a position of need because there's you know who's going to step up with with, with KJ Hamler gone there there's nobody uh that that you can say for sure is a first team all big 10 guy right now and and, and so Lonnie White and and uh um uh Liam Clifford have a lot of talent uh and game breaking ability and, and so uh I I think that they're two guys that that'll really come in and again like I said at the very least push that receiver room and athletically uh they should be two of the better guys in the room Rodney McGraw his best relationship on the Penn State staff is James Franklin. And, and so that tells you how much uh, Penn State wanted him. Um, it, b- before he flipped, one of the coaches, his D coordinator, hit me up and said, keep an eye on this. I didn't realize I had to keep an eye on it so quickly because uh, uh, he flipped like that Sunday morning or or, or whatever. Um, but he's a guy that uh, Coach Franklin pushed for, and he has a ton of upside. And, and uh, he, he had nine sacks last year, 21 tackles for loss. Uh, you know he's he's tracking for uh you know a double digit sack season this year and uh for in, in indiana's largest classification um had a big game against one of the more storied high school programs in the state on friday down at their place and so i'm excited about those two guys and and uh i think that this class although it's not very big there's some guys in it that, that that have a chance to be really good players uh, at Penn State, obviously led by Landon Tengwall. And, and uh, I think Jamari Budden could end up being another uh, second-level stud on the defense for the Nittany Lions. Very good. Uh, so the 2021 class, not really going to plan. Um, you know, you mentioned some guys on the rise and everything like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to look back and you're going to see a lot of top targets that went elsewhere maybe none bigger than Nolan Rucci this week. We talked a little bit about him uh, earlier on the podcast, but uh, you were the first one on Wisconsin for Nolan Rucci. Um, number one, how, how big of a sting is this to, to Penn State? And and what what are you thinking about this? I, mean, I guess what pops into your head when you say legacy five-star from Pennsylvania goes to Wisconsin, spurns Penn State? I mean, what, what, just what goes through your head when you think about this recruitment? Well, I think that the COVID-19 pandemic really hurt Penn State in the Nolan Rucci recruitment because Penn State now has a new offensive coordinator and and they have a new offensive line coach. And although he was able to talk to those guys via Zoom, he didn't get to know them like he got to know Coach Rudolph and and Coach Christ and, and that Wisconsin staff. And he's been to Wisconsin practices. He's been to Wisconsin games. He knows exactly what he's getting from Coach Rudolph and it was tough for Coach Trotwine to make that up with not getting a chance to coach in spring ball and have Nolan Rucci come to a spring practice and see how he is around his guys. And I think that was big. Uh, you know, a lot was made of Nolan Rucci wanting to be an aerospace engineer major, and, and he certainly has a lot of ambition off the field. But he wants to be an NFL player first and foremost. And that's his main career ambition. And with coach Rudolph, he has great familiar, a great sense of what it would be like to play for him. And with coach Trotwine, it would be more of like a guess. Um, and, and, and although, you know, I, I, for, for him, I just think that 
if he could have come to a spring practice and and then done an official visit as well, maybe this recruitment turns out differently. Uh, but Penn State didn't get those opportunities, and uh, Nolan was ready to make his decision and, and and go into his senior year committed. And Wisconsin, he'd been visiting there since he was in eighth grade, and uh, you know he's a Badger. A lot of the conversation this week has been about Penn State didn't offer Hayden. um, And that's been something that, you know, you hear you keep hearing when it comes up in his recruitment. I'm just curious your take. I mean, obviously, hindsight is what it is, whatever. But where do you stand on, you know, offering the older brother just in case the younger brother pops? I know there's more connections there with the Rucci family, given Todd played at Penn State. But in a situation like this, what's What's the right course of action? I don't know the right course of action is the way to, 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 to word that. But what is the ideal course of action if you're a program like Penn State trying to get to the level you're at? And, you know, do you take a guy like Hayden Rucci, who's maybe not at the top of your board or maybe not near the top of your board just to set yourself up or, you know, keep relationships going? What, I guess what's your opinion on all that? Well, Penn State's a program that's been closer to the college football playoff than Wisconsin has. I, I think that they they they've knocked on the door and and they have a team coming into this year that I think people viewed as a bona fide playoff contender you know before the pandemic you know kind of took Micah Parsons off your roster and and now obviously we don't even know when Penn State's going to open the season but it's a, it's a really good football team uh, and so for me to come out and say that they should have took a a kid in 2019 to ensure that they get a kid in 2021 I mean, it would not be fair to say with what Penn State's built on the field and developed on the field. And um, they've taken some, you know, they took Brenton Strange that year who they had in camp and and liked. And he's kind of biding his time in what's one of the more talented tight end rooms in the country, to be honest. Penn State's tight end room is as healthy as anybody's. And, and, And so... They they passed on a legacy kid. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision, especially knowing that you were going to have to play against him at some point with him picking another in-state school. But you can't you you can't recruit in a what if. Well, what if his brother's really good? Well, you know what if you know we don't offer his brother, but what if Penn State's still the best fit for his younger brother? And 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 again, I think it goes back to Nolan not having much of a sense for Coach Trotwine with his own eyes on the field. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't, that doesn't mean that he thinks coach Trotwine's a bad coach or that he wouldn't have gelled with them. I just think that that doubt didn't make it easier for Penn State. Not that he like doubted any of that either. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? Like with coach Rudolph, he had checked every box with coach Rudolph at Wisconsin, the track record at Wisconsin stands, you know, his relationship with coach Chris, those are relationships that are three plus years old. And, and and so you're asking Coach Trotline and, and and Coach Soraka to make all that up in a matter in a Zoom in Zoom meetings. Um, it's it's just it wasn't fair to them. It was a, a t- even though the kid's a legacy is a tough recruitment because the kid's making the best decision for himself, not doing what his parent you know his his parents lived their life. His parents aren't living vicariously through him. They already had their success. Now they just want Nolan to have as much success as he can. And they wanted, you know, his older brother to have as much success as he can. And, and for those young men, they, they think it's at Wisconsin. Now, again, maybe it would, would have been different had Penn State had a spring ball and Nolan Rucci could have went to practice and, and then hung out with the offensive linemen and got us, you know, got a sense with those guys of how much they were really enjoying being coached by Trotline. 
Yeah, I think uh, they missed it by 11 days was that scheduled visit on March 28th where where Rucci was scheduled to get up to Penn State. So uh, outside of that, I mean, it, it sort of goes along with what we've seen in the 2021 class, just another body blow for Penn State. Uh, you lose Rucci, you, you know, you, you could go down the list of guys they lost. They just lost Dejan Warren and Kelvin Gilliam. And, you know, it just hasn't been great for Penn State. Still some guys on the board, though. Um, you know, just getting smaller by the day. Seemingly Derek Davis still out there. Diego Pound still out there. George Rooks, Davon Townley, Patrick Payton. You know, we do, we've talked about these same names over and over again. Uh, where do you see Penn State sort of pivoting and trying to go from here? Well, they're near the top for all those guys. You know, we'll see if they can close them. I mean, Derek Davis... Obviously, Ohio State's in there. LSU's pushing hard. I talked to his dad. I think George is up up there. So that's a royal rumble between college football playoff contenders. I haven't heard anything different to make me think that Diego Pounds isn't going to Penn State. That's where my crystal ball is at right now. You know, I know LSU's pushing hard. North Carolina's pushing hard. And um, so, you know, we'll see if Penn State can maintain their advantage. But there's no question his best relationship is with Coach Trotwine, and no program's done a better job of recruiting Diego uh, than Coach Trotwine. He's really clicked with 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 Coach, and um, see you know sees that sees him as a coach that not only cares about him but a coach that uh, can develop him. Um, Townley is up in the air. I mean, Arizona State, Minnesota, Penn State are the contenders. I think Penn State's way in it, talking to people close to him a few weeks ago. I don't know if anything's changed over the last few weeks. And and he's a high – Penn State's always done great with those defensive linemen that have um, high ceilings. I mean, you're, we've talked about it numerous times uh, on this podcast, on the Lions 247 message board. But Penn State's strength and conditioning goes toe-to-toe with anyone in college football. So if you come in with traits and you come in with the right mentality – um, Penn State's strength and conditioning and then Penn State's coaching staff is normally going to, you know, get you to to um, your your best sets. And, and so Townley would certainly be uh, another big recruiting win. Rooks um, still, everyone I talk to says Michigan or, or Penn State. I don't, I don't have any clarity on who uh, from that, from there. And then uh, Peyton, obviously very productive player behind the line of scrimmage just a guy that has a will to go get the quarterback and, and, and make plays in the backfield uh, committed to Nebraska. I think if Penn state's really pushing, they'll have a chance to make a move there. Um, but um, uh, another guy that I, I feel like he's the type of prospect that Penn state is flourished with in the James Franklin era. So the 2021 class is what it is. I mean, you, you keep having these losses, but 2022 is not having any problems whatsoever, it seems. I mean, they've completely flipped this thing on its head, and it's it's remarkable to me. I don't know that I've seen anything like it where you've got really no momentum in one class, and then you flip over to the next one, back, and they're still running concurrently, and then all of a sudden, you've got you know a top three class in 2022. That's still early, obviously, but the guys that they're getting are early top targets, a uh, bunch of four stars in that mix. Drew Shelton, a big pickup last week. They got Ken Talley this week. Um, so what have you seen from the 2022 class that is different? And what have you seen from these guys that they've gotten uh, on board? Well, I think these are guys that they identified early and have the best relationship with. And then for whatever reason, their decision timeline led to good news for Penn State. I mean, Phil Trotwine was first to be in on Drew Shelton before he was a blue chipper. And that paid off for keeping, you know, a top five in-state player home and, and, and in the class. Ken Talley's been to Happy Valley numerous times. I think he was at the whiteout last year. Uh, and Penn State, you know, had been considered the team to beat for a while. I think Arizona State did make it interesting. 
Um, but, but, um, you know, chose Penn state. Caden Saunders is another that's been to campus like three, three times, um, including the whiteout and, and, uh, has a great relationship with the, the staff. No, no school recruited him harder and, and he's in the fold and he's a guy that's going to be a really good peer recruiter. And, 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 and then, you know, Bo, Bo Prabula, uh, I think, um, you know, once they identified him as the guy they wanted, they were going to be tough to beat. And so, uh, Jerry Cross is really the only like surprise in the class and just kind of, um, him just, you know, doing it. Cause I think he's sight unseen. Right. And, yep. and so, uh, um, but you know, we're talking about Tyler Bowen recruiting, uh, you know, these tight ends holding stays and, and Jerry Cross, Tyler Bowen's one of the best recruiters in the country. Um, and, and so no surprise, he's already got two in the boat at his position. And they still got a bunch of targets out there, especially in Pennsylvania. You've got a Nye White. You've got guys like Nicholas Singleton, Anthony Ivy, Makai Flowers, just all over the place. And it just seems like there's, you know, there's something there. And I, and I don't know, you know, it's it's obviously different circumstances than the 2021 class in terms of when they shut it down and and relationships and how you're building with other schools as well. But I mean, it just seems to be that, that there's something there that wasn't in this last cycle. Well, I think that a lot of these guys have already been able to get to campus and, and Nicholas Singleton's been to campus, you know, and you talk to Eni White and his coach will tell you that Penn State's one of the schools recruiting him the hardest. So, um, yeah, I, I, recruiting, I don't know, Shawnee, I don't have an answer for you on why they're off and running in 2022 right now and struggling some in 2021. But I, I mean, I look at their 2021 class and I know they missed on some guys, but James Franklin always says it's about the guys that you get. And so the guys that are in the class all have promising traits to them. And so they just have to make sure that the guys that they are taking commitments from can keep them, you know, competitive with Ohio State year in and year out, which they have been to date. I was really looking to pin you down because I don't have an answer either. I'm just hoping somebody does, but it's been pretty remarkable to watch. And, and, you know, they've seen to have, you know, despite not being able to have visitors on, and we've talked about how important it is for Penn state to get guys on campus. Despite that, they've seen to, I guess, grow their brand a little bit more nationally. Of course, you got Jay Wan Sider in Florida. You've got some new coaches giving you some access to different areas, but it's just, it, it's really been remarkable. And I don't know what, uh, I don't know what the reason is, but, uh, you know, it seems to be trending in a positive direction. I think they'll continue to get better. And of course, as, as they do, uh, Steve will be ahead of it as he always is on 24 seven sports. He'll be, as a valued member of our 24 seven sports team, the leader of our 24 seven sports recruiting team. But uh, thanks again for having or for coming on to the show, Steve. Uh, you're always appreciated. Good news or bad news, you're, you're the best we got. So we appreciate you having uh, you coming on to the show. Man, it's just great working with all-time greats like yourself, Fitzy. Appreciate you all. See you guys uh, on the Lions Pride. As always, good stuff from Steve Wilfong. Thanks to him for joining us. Uh, of course, he's always around uh, the Lions Pride and on Twitter at SWiltfong247. Check him out. Uh, he also put in a crystal ball pick. We're speaking of what's next for 2022. He also put in a crystal ball pick for Aiden Gobira, the defensive end for Virginia. He was up for, I guess, an unofficial, an unofficial, unofficial visit. Is that what we're calling them these days? Yeah, extra unofficial came out and checked the uh, came up on Labor Day and checked the uh, the campus out with his mother. Uh, Antonio Tripp was up the other day, 2023 offensive lineman. Uh, Chase Basantis, 2023 offensive lineman. A couple of big targets in the 2023 class that Penn State's gotten out in front of uh, as well. So uh, there's a lot going on, especially in those underclassmen 
uh, you know, in those underclassmen ranks. So Penn State going to continue to try and get uh, get better in those in those future classes, and we'll see which way it goes. Well, thanks again to, to Steve. We do have some 2020 news that Sean, uh, you broke on was it Saturday evening? Um, you know, didn't see this one coming because you know we just haven't really gotten to see the team in general. But a freshman member of the roster no longer with the team, Brandon Taylor. I'll let you provide some of the details as you reported this one out, but uh, that means the freshman class, still a very large freshman class, 24 true freshmen arrived on campus for Penn State in 2020. We, we don't know when they'll get to play or participate in their first games, uh, but Brandon Taylor, no, no longer part of that equation. That's uh, that's one that got, I guess is over before it even started. Brandon Taylor was practicing with the squad when they opened camp in August, but uh, you know a couple of, of counts against him. Uh, there's uh, some you know some some court documents online for some harassment, and he's no longer with the program. That was uh, that was sort of quick and dry. I mean, there's nothing nothing really to get into from that aspect. But uh, he's a guy that they expected to be uh, a redshirt guy, develop as a defensive end, and move uh, eventually move down to defensive tackle. And that's a, a spot where you have a lot of numbers. So just focusing on the on-field uh, effect of it, really not much. Taylor was a guy that you looked at, uh, you know, maybe you hit on him, but uh, given the size, given the uh, the tape and everything like that, was one of the lower ranked kids in the last class. And now all of a sudden you move on. I think you got what looks to be a pretty good defensive line class, uh, at least a pretty big defensive line class um, in that class of 2020. Um, defensive end is obviously a hollow point there. You've got Bryce Mostello who came in in January. Maybe you see a little bit of a mean Vanover depending on his uh, body and development there, physical development. But on top of that, if you're not playing this year, and which these guys are going to redshirt anyway, but if you're not playing this year, how much uh, can you rely on him to be a defensive end moving forward? So you can see why defensive end, just looking at the roster, is a huge priority for the Nittany Lions. Uh, but uh, it's uh, you're not going to get it from Brandon Taylor. Taylor out of Lima, Ohio, was considered the uh, number 592 overall uh, prospect in the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, Composite had him as the number 26 strong side defensive end and a three-star. And we talked about this before, Sean, because of what is happening right now with the Big Ten and Penn State. uh, You're essentially looking at these super freshman classes, at least in terms of eligibility, because last year the only defensive lineman who burned his eligibility for Penn State as a true freshman was Adiza Isaac, who – who uh, very well well may be challenging or in a starting spot next time we see Penn State on the field. But when you look at what else is going on from that 19 class combined with the 20 class, you're going to have 10 10 defensive linemen. That's without Brandon Taylor as a part of that. 10 other defensive linemen aside from Adiza Isaac who are going to have freshman eligibility next time you hit a football field. So that's a lot of guys that have not we have not had a chance to see get tested in games yet. Uh, we've mentioned Akeem Beeman as someone uh, you know, expecting a, a jump from uh, when they hit the field. Uh, but at the end of the day, that, that's a lot of bodies to work with for a new position coach in John Scott Jr. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting on both sides of the ball because you brought in fairly big classes in 2020 on, you know, on five offensive linemen, six defensive linemen. Uh, you know, you will see where Zariah Fisher ends up in the long, in the long run because you've got guys that you were expecting maybe to make that move, like, like Brandon Taylor, guys that you were expecting to make a move later on in their career. And now all of a sudden they don't have a redshirt season or a freshman season to get going. Although I will say Zariah Fisher, 
picking a pass off on Twitter looked pretty darn good at linebacker. Um, but uh, no, it'll be interesting to see which direction these guys go. You, you've got a redshirt season for, for a guy like Mustella. You've got basically a redshirt season and then maybe a redshirt season after that. It's hard to say what he looks like. I think he'll be 260, 270 pounds a year from now. And, and he might be a completely different looking guy. Um, but you, it's going to be interesting to see this development, not only for those freshmen, but I thought I thought what was interesting when when looking through the roster, guys like Anthony Wigan, you know, and I know we're kind of changing directions here, but a guy like Anthony Wigan, who you get an extra redshirt year after his JUCO career and after a redshirt year last year, now you get extra time to develop him, see what he's got, maybe he can help you out at guard or tackle. What does that do? And you've got the trickle down. What does that happen with Caden Wallace? What happens at the the open guard spot? What happens uh, at the top of that depth chart with with a guy like Michael Mennon, who's got pro aspirations? So there's so many things that come into it. I think this roster is going to look different. We've already seen that with Micah Parsons. I think this roster is going to look a little bit different next time we see Penn State. And, uh, you know, some of that will will result in in lumps along the offensive line or the defensive line or whatnot. Um, But it's going to be very interesting to track this, especially with no football. And, you know, as we're looking, as we're talking right now on Wednesday morning, I'm sure this this will change by the time we publish. But, you know, still not looking completely hopeful for this fall and you know you january as always still very much up in the air you mean you don't have sir yachts uh twitter feed open in front of you at all times sean i i, I started receiving his <laughs> tweets yes because i need to know where where to get my news and sir yacht is none come more reliable than that yes it, it just going back to your point on on yeah, a guy like wigan maybe spending four years at penn state after spending two at lackawanna you have to rewire your whole brain for expectations on what a college personnel department does and and what they what the strategies are going to be implemented because we're talking Talking about 20-year defense, 20-year-old defensive lineman eventually from the 2019 Penn State class still being freshman eligible in 2021. So it's just, I mean, it is wild. It gives you more time to work with these guys, and and but it also wonders if if it, if there's well, I think I think it certainly opens the door for you to carry a little bit more baggage on your roster and guys who maybe otherwise would have moved on because of that ticking clock in terms of eligibility. They may now be encouraged to wait it out longer. That could create some scholarship issues. There's a lot of stuff that we're going to be uh, trying to delve through when it comes to, to roster configuration moving ahead. But uh, it is certainly wild. We mentioned last week talking about the quarterbacks, about Will Levis going to be 23 years old, maybe when Sean Clifford finally leaves campus or, or when Sean Clifford is still on campus. So there's a lot, a lot that goes into to what this whole pause in eligibility is going to mean for Penn State and college football at large. Plenty of time to talk about that. Let's finish now, Sean, with our five-star mailbag. Um, the question here uh, is pretty timely, I think, considering what we just heard from Steve. Um, we'll get into it. Here's the question. I know it's early in the high school season and some Penn State commits won't even play this fall, but does anyone stand out as being better than their current composite ranking and maybe in for a ratings rise at some point before signing day. And, and right away, and it's probably because of the recency, but also because Steve really raved about these guys. To me, Liam Clifford, uh, that's without even seeing what he has done to start the season, just seeing what he did in camp when we saw him, knowing what his numbers are from a testing standpoint, the productivity that he had last year, 80-plus catches, uh, over a 1,000 receiving yards. Um, I've been higher on him than what his rating and ranking would suggest for a long time. The guy I'm now coming around on after seeing the highlights Steve provided us and, and the commentary that Steve provided us, Rodney McGraw out of Indiana. I mean, that, that was a thunderous performance out of him on Friday night. 
Yeah, he was he was excellent. We talked to Steve about this and and Clifford as well. I mean, you've got guys that uh, have shown up on big stages so far. Uh, I don't know if it's big stage because Steve was there, but you know, any national <laughs> yeah. exposure is good exposure. I mean, as much as we talk about this 2021 class and the losses, and I think that's going to be the legacy of the class. Still, some really good players in there, and and I'm right there with you on Clifford. Um, McGraw is, is going to be interesting. I mean, he put on a lot of weight, but he still looks like he's, you know, he's, he looks pretty good off the edge. Um, I don't know that he's going to be relied on for an early contribution, but the, him, he's sitting there as an 87.84 in the composite rankings. I certainly think that that, you know, could push a couple of points higher. A couple of guys that I'm looking at. Love Lonnie White. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see. I, I don't believe he's slated to play this year. Um, the, the Those conferences down there around Philly have sort of cut things down. But just the overall athleticism, we've seen a lot of him on the baseball field lately. Um, just everything that he brings to the table, I think, you know, he's probably a little bit underrated, um, even though he is a four-star on the composite. Um, and Kalen King out there in Detroit, I'm going to keep stumping for Kalen King, was really right at the top of the cornerback board uh, or near the top of the cornerback board for Penn State for a reason. They're getting to play in Detroit and, and excuse me, in Michigan. We talked about that on the last episode, but I think he can really push himself and continue to push himself up those rankings because there's a lot to like with Kalen King in terms of his athleticism, his his quickness, his short area quickness. And I think if he can have an uh, you know a year that he can – maybe sort of establish himself. Corner is tough because a lot of schools, out, especially out there, don't throw a ton. But if he can establish himself maybe as a kick returner, maybe as a guy that you can go to as a, as a playmaker on the offense or something like that, really just help him gain his exposure for his all-around game, I think he can certainly rise up. I, I like those two guys a lot. Um, you know, he's just looking at the, at the class in general – it seems about right. I mean, it's unfortunate you're not going to see Christian Veyu be able to play his senior season. Steve said some good things about Jamari Budden. Zaki Wheatley's a guy that Penn State is is pretty high on. And you just looking at the the videos that I've seen from him working out and things like that, the size is certainly legit. The athleticism's there. The ball skills have been talked about a bunch. So be interested to see what kind of steps that he can take to being a college prospect. Obviously, he's got to fill out. But uh, this is a guy that uh, the Penn State staff seems to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, and I know that the folks have pointed this out on the message board. When you kind of look at these rankings for 2021, um, this is a, a you can make the quality versus quantity argument for Penn State because they do only carry 13 commits, and a lot of the schools that you see in the, the top 25 rankings are at 18, 20 plus commits at this point. Penn State number 34. I had to scroll down pretty far for that. 34 in the current rankings and uh, composite. But if you look at their average player ranking, 88.53, that would put them inside the top 25. I don't have the exact placement for them. Um, but, you know, there's something to be said for that. And, and I'm with you on Kalen King. He's one guy I wanted to reference because he's going to get an immediate test um, in their opener now that Michigan football is back on as of the end of last week with the governor reversing course on that decision. He's going up against Dante Moore and uh, in, in King High School. Dante Moore is one of those 2023 quarterbacks who picked up a Penn State offer in late August through 30-plus touchdowns last year as a freshman, helped get that team to a state championship game. Great first test for Kalen King. Uh, to, you, you mentioned maybe not going up against a lot of teams who are going to throw the ball. He should get some run there, and, and that should be a nice opportunity for him and Kobe King to, to you know kind of showcase themselves. And, and I and I also would agree with you. Um, it, it, who else did you mention here? Sorry, Sean, I'm I'm, I'm off off track a little bit in the in the weeds looking at these rankings. Uh, Lonnie White. 
Lonnie Way, I think, is a prime example of a kid. If we're living in a different year, pretty much any other year uh, in, in modern recruiting, he probably goes and hits the camp circuit regionally, maybe nationally, and, and has a chance to showcase what he can do. Because remember, he's all over the field last year. He's playing quarterback playing defensive back, just a kid that you love to see the ball in his hands in open space. And that's why we see him as a wide receiver. He can go up and get it. Um, I think if he had a chance to go and work at wide receiver at some of these camps, like the opening or Under Armour events, I think you would have already seen him get an even further extended spike. Remember, just based off of what folks gathered from his junior film and, and what they've heard since, he got a four-star bump uh, through 24-7 sports. He's, he's got that four-star. He's knocking on the door of, of top 10 in Pennsylvania. I, I think that if he had, was out there going through the camp circuit, as we would typically see, he would be firmly in that top 10 for Pennsylvania. And I think Penn State probably would have had to fight off some some more big time power five contenders on that list. I think other offers would have come through. Uh, to me, he may be the gem of this class in terms of a guy who is not getting that sky high ranking. He's three fifteen right now in the composite ranking. But if he doesn't go the professional baseball route and he's on Penn State in twenty twenty one, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I agree. Uh, the one guy that I wanted to highlight before we get here, and it seems like we're going, oh, there's 13 commits. Everybody's <laughs> underrated. Yes. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, the one guy that I wanted to highlight that I was looking forward to maybe seeing more than anybody this fall Sander? was Nate Bruce. Oh. No, Nate, Nate Bruce. <laughs> um, Sanders can kick balls really far. I have no, no, no question about that. Uh, Nate Bruce is yeah. an interesting guy. He's an interior prospect, uh, guard center for the Nittany Lions. Uh, big kid. I mean, just massive 300 and I think he's been up to 320 some pounds, uh, but carries it well. It seems to have turned a corner in terms of work ethic, turned a corner in terms of what they, you know, uh, what what I have seen from him in the past. Um, so I, I'm, I was really looking forward to see his development because this is a guy that they're going to bring in and maybe is one of those guys that could use the double red shirt year that we're going to see for some of these guys like a Ibrahim Traore or a Golden Achumba, something like that. Um, but I think that this is a lot of potential there as an interior prospect. Not as sexy as the tackles, obviously, um, but you've got a lot to work with with Nate Bruce. He's still very, very raw. So I think when you think high upside, I just wanted to see how he moved this year uh, with, at the different weight, how he looked, um, you know, just sort of in his development. There were times last year where he kind of looked lost, um, but there was still enough highlights where you, you know, it gave you some hope that, you know, he could turn the corner and be this big time prospect. So I don't know that he'll be a four star guy. I don't know that he would have been a four star guy with even with a good year, but but still, at the end of the day, you need those guys on the interior, and Bruce is is a bruiser that they really like a lot in the, in the Lash building. Bruce on board since October nineteenth, the the longest standing member of this class. Uh, setting aside the setting aside those few hours in February, Sean, I was going <laughs> to get there, um, but uh, yeah, followed one day later by Liam Clifford. But you know what? We've had a few guys on from the twenty twenty one class here on the show. I think we're going to uh, do some reach out, try to get some more because. You know, I know if people are frustrated about who's not on board, but I think it's also a good time to highlight who is on board with a, with a small class so far, one that's not as highly ranked. We'll match some personalities uh, to these player names over the course of the next few months leading to signing day, give folks a better understanding of who is heading to Penn State in 2021, uh, rather than dwelling as much on who is not going to be on campus as a member of this recruiting class. So that'll be coming your way here in the podcast. We always do our best to get guests on, like Steve Wilfong. Big thanks to him. Sean, anything else to add? We'll be back in a couple days. A, a, there'll be a short gap between this episode and our second of the week. 
Nope, uh, that should be about it. I uh, hope you had a great trip. I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep moving forward, I guess, is, is, the, uh, is the theme here. School back in session at the Fitz household. Uh, we are always in session at lines247.com. Head on over now for the latest uh, news and notes from Penn State football and recruiting. We'll catch up with you later in the week. Thanks, as always, for listening to Lines 24-7 podcast.